episode 16 of the Bomber Brothers podcast is here. Sean and Ryan with you. And Sean, it's uh, dark times to be in Yankees universe right now as we uh, will get set to preview what, what the Yankees should do in this offseason. But first, Yankee fans are helplessly watching the juggernaut that is the Red Sox take a series lead in the World Series over the Dodgers. And things just aren't looking good right now. They were mysteriously labeled as scrappy underdogs by many in the media throughout the postseason, but I think it's playing out right now that the Red Sox have been the best team in baseball since the first week of the season, and they're certainly showing that now, which is anything but pleasant for Yankee fans. Well, maybe if podcasters weren't picking them to to lose in the division series, they would (laughs) not be such underdogs but no i mean they're playing good baseball right now uh their bullpen is baffling me and just about pretty much everybody else and i mean they're losing 2-1 right now in game two so it's a hopefully it'll be a long and and fun series and hopefully the dodgers will come back come out on top but uh yankees have a lot of work to do in order to um to get to where the dodgers and the red sox are and that work involves spending money because dodgers and and Red Sox are the two top payrolls in their leagues, and the Yankees should be among that group. So let's talk about what the Yankees have to do in order to get to where they want to go. Well, you nailed it right there. They they have to spend money. They accomplished their incredibly frustrating goal of getting under the luxury tax, a goal that you could argue might have cost the Yankees a trip to the World Series, um, not going after Absolutely. a guy like, like Justin Verlander. And that's that's an excuse that should be put up with no further. They've gotten under it. They've reset their penalty. And now you've got a bunch of intriguing free agents that are going to be on the market this year, including one that's still playing in the World Series right now who has been a hot topic of discussion, and we'll get to him and, and, and many more in what is kind of our to-do list for the offseason, something to send over to Brian Cashman and um, – you know, real quick before before we dive into that, I kind of wanted to bring up something that happened in in Game One last night with um, the the Dodgers pull Baez and then Cora counters with pinch hitting uh, Nunez for Devers and Devers had been having a good night at the plate and you know looking you know being on Twitter while this was all unfolding, you saw so many you saw the Red Sox SB Nation account, a bunch of other Red Sox fans and writers saying you know. To hell with this! What is what is Cora thinking? This is a crazy move. And then Nunez drills one over the Green Monster, and I, I just think it's funny because it's, you know, people just focus on the result and the result only. And if, if you know, if Nunez gets a quarter of an inch under that ball and he flies out to the warning track right in front of the monster, then everyone's killing Cora for that decision if the game winds up going a different way. And I think that's something we need to remember with all managers. Of course, you know, we know your position on Boone. I obviously wasn't happy with Boone this postseason either, but I think it's interesting to look at, you know, the decision-making by managers and, and how much the overall end result goes into something like that when really, you know, these decisions are, are so delicate and they could really go either way. And, and, Maybe Cora is a genius by making that decision, or maybe he just went with his gut and it paid off. You know, that's something you you don't really know for sure. I, what I do know is that Cora has seemingly been pushing all the right buttons so far this postseason. But I think that shows you just how you know delicate a situation like that could be. It's just a couple little slight differences in outcome, and Cora could be painted in a whole different picture. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I I definitely agree that he's kind of walking a tightrope here, and and he's slipping a coin, and it's coming up, you know, whatever he needs it to come up often, and. Uh, I mean, sometimes, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get lucky, but I mean, there's, you know, my, my issue with Boone was just uh, about pitching and leaving pitchers in too long. And, you know, that's, that's something core seems to have been aggressive with and, and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, the other stuff, like you said, sometimes you can make the wrong decision and get the right result. Sometimes you could make the right decision and get the wrong result. And that's kind of what's fun about baseball is you can play it. You could play it the right way and, and, you know, results can be different every time yeah and, and and track record also can can play a part in it because you know boone's a first year manager this is a yankees franchise that hasn't won the world series since 2009 and based on yankee standards that's a big big drought and and you, you think about times when joe torrey I mean, it, it's fair to say joe torrey cost the yankees a good number of playoff games with some mismanaging of of the bullpen or not pulling the team when his squad was getting attacked by midges you know there were a lot of instances where Joe Torre managed the Yankees out of some big games in October but he had also made a bunch of good decisions and had an incredible team at his disposal so the long history of winning kind of made those a little easier to endure so I also think that has something to do with it yeah I I mean with I think what happened was as as the Yankees got a little bit more of a star-loaded inflexible lineup team with a poor bullpen Tory Tory sort of magic touch faded because he was so good um when he had that bridge to Mariano and then once he lost it it was just always get that bridge to Mariano get that bridge to Mariano and um he never got it and then in you know in 04 the the from 03 to 04 the rotation was just completely decimated and uh he never recovered yeah, well, those seem like a long time ago right now. The Yankees are trying to get back to that dynasty seed, and they certainly have some pieces in place to do it, but I think the American League is showing you there's going to be a couple teams fighting for that same label in, in the coming years. So let's get into some moves that can possibly put the Yankees ahead of those other teams, keeping in mind that they won 100 games. They're, they'll be right there as World Series contenders next year. And something I think we should address first and maybe we can just go ahead and start with the outfield, but there have been a lot of articles and, and and pieces that are being released about you know trade ideas involving John Carlos Stanton. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like that's something we should squash pretty quickly, that Stanton is going to be a Yankee next year, and, and the Yankees are not trading him. Anybody who says that, they are stupid. <laughs> um, anybody Good Ninja Turtles they're... reference. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, John Carlos Stan may have you – know, oh, whatever, I was going to – whatever. He does have other attributes. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, it's ridiculous. I think that, one, Stanton wanted to come to New York. He for, kind of forced his way here. I think he'd love to be in L.A., and if he wants to, you know what? He can opt out um, in a couple of years and, and, and go to L.A. If that's, if that's what he really wants. But um, – the, I, I don't. I don't see the Yankees moving him. He, he's a big bat in their lineup. I think he kind of has an awkward fit uh, with the Yankees. But um, I, I mean, ha- having him adds, adds another power bat. I think. Um, I, I think the thing that needs to change with Stanton next year is he needs to play left field more. That's the only thing I want to see change. And I think he'll get more comfortable and have a have a bounce back season offensively. He had a good year, but I mean, for John Carlos Stanton, it wasn't subpar year so I think uh as he gets more comfortable 
he'll uh, he'll be there. But I, I, I think, and, and what we're going to talk about today with what the team might look like next year, what we hope it looks like, that for me involves John Carlos Stanton having flexibility to play left field. Yeah, and, and that'll be you know something he'll have to put some work into over the offseason because unlike right field, there is a, a little bit of room in left field, so he'll have much more ground to cover out there in left field. But like you said, you know, I think I think a lot of Yankee fans might have expected another 2017 type season from Stanton, and and even if he had stayed with Miami and been in his normal comfort zone, I think it would have been unfair to think he would even reach 50 home runs, let alone 59 again. He still hit 38 home runs. His OPS plus was 126. All you know, great numbers, just not for a player like John Carlos Stanton, but. You know, it was it was his first year in a new situation, and uh, that was a situation that was much more demanding than the one he had just came from. And maybe there was a little bit of adjustment. I, I think you can definitely say he was pressing a little bit at the plate, became a little bit more of a guess hitter, and had a much more of an all or nothing approach. I think as opposed to 2017. I mean, you look at the strikeouts; they went up from 163 to 211. So that's an alarming spike. But I also think that's something that can be fixed with just, you know, a year of that new routine and handling, you know, the New York media and what and things like that and having that under his belt. It, it, it feels a lot like A-Rod in 2004. You know, you look at A-Rod's numbers in his first year in the Bronx and he hit something like 36 home runs and you look at those numbers for a normal player and you're like, that's fantastic. But A-Rod was also coming off MVP season where he hits, I think, 54 home runs. So to A-Rod's standards, that wasn't acceptable and then he comes back in 2005 and has an absolutely historic year and wins the MVP so I'm I'm fully expecting a rebound season from Stanton offensively it it will be interesting to see um, how they handle the outfield defensively and I'm assuming the outfield will be Stanton Hicks and Judge what what do you see what do you expect for a guy like Brett Gardner who's currently the longest tenured Yankee but has uh, some question marks here heading into 2019 in terms of where exactly he'll be? Uh, I think Gardner, if he's going to be on the team, is the fourth outfielder. Um, I don't I don't know if he'll be retained. I know he has that, uh, what is it, a, an option, but then there's a $5 million buyout if they yeah. don't pick up the option or something like that. I think it's the like team that. option with a bu- $5 million buyout. I mean, maybe they'll negotiate something for like $7 million or something like that and, and give him a one-year deal to stay on the team as the fourth outfielder. Uh, the only reason I think that it probably is likely that that happens is because Hicks has a history of getting, you know, he has his obliques, he has his hamstrings, um, and they have no other center fielder if that happens, um, unless you're counting on Jacoby Ellsbury to be healthy, which... Well, okay. he has obliques, hamstrings, hips, backs, necks nipples arms he has all kinds of problems so well, at least he doesn't have belly button ring injury <laughs> he, maybe um, he does and we don't know about it i wouldn't be surprised yeah um so i mean it, if gardner's on the team he's a backup outfielder in my in my opinion yeah if, if he is on the team i i wouldn't be surprised if his at-bats are almost cut in half next season just to keep him fresh and maybe you know bring him on to face some righties um if you need a defensive replacement, someone who can cover a little more ground maybe. But, you know, we've seen 
a couple instances over Gardner's career where he struggled in the second half of the season, certainly 2015 being one of them. But this one feels a little more like he's just approaching the end of the road in what has been a great Yankee career, and you'd love to see him retire as a Yankee, but you know that that might not be the case this winter, and we'll have to see. There's, I, we can talk about Ellsbury if you want, but I'm fully expecting to not see him on the field probably at all next year. We'll probably hear he is... You know, we'll get the occasional tweet from Brian Hoke, you know, all the way through September that he has yet to resume baseball activities. And um, and then if that brings up other question marks. Are there any outfielders, you know, that the Yankees should bring in from the outside? Or do you count on a guy like Clint Frazier to maybe overcome some of his medical troubles that he suffered this year? Or do you bring back Andrew McCutcheon? Um. I don't know if McCutcheon would get a one-year deal. I'm kind of hesitant to give a righty a contract at this time because I think once we get to the infield, there's a righty that we'll, we might be getting. And the lineup is so right-handed heavy. Um, but I I would, I would, think they want to see what they have in Frazier because I mean, he's been so highly touted and he had some injury issues. I wouldn't be surprised if... They don't pick up any outfield depth and just bring Gardner back on, on a on a small contract because whoever they have is going to have to be able to play center field. And I mean, I know McCutcheon has in the past, but he hasn't in a long time. Yeah, he's not probably not going to be able to cover the ground he used to like he did in, in Pittsburgh. But I really wouldn't. I, I know the Yankees are right handed heavy, but I also wouldn't mind bringing a guy like McCutcheon back. You look at the outfield possibilities on the market and you know none of them seem much more appealing than a guy like McCutcheon except maybe Bryce Harper who as of today reported that he's going to command 10 years 350 million dollars uh so that's what uh, I would... so I'd, ra- I'd rather have Michael Brantley on a short contract rather than than do that yeah well Brantley's had plenty of injury issues as well but he's also been showing in recent years that he can still produce at, at a high level so um that that's also another a solid potential acquisition but again I, I really wouldn't mind bringing McCutcheon back he showed you how he can get on base and I, I really think that top of the order of, of you know when it was some combination of of McCutcheon Hicks Judge Stanton and you look at the leaders in the league in terms of guys who work the count full and and work pitchers all four of them were among the league leaders and that's that's definitely a tough stretch for pitchers to navigate through, um, assuming McCutcheon can you know, still put up those quality OBP numbers that he did once he came to New York. And he's just such an easy guy to like. I mean, there's a lot, oh, of, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of non-on-the-field reasons why I would love to see McCutcheon still in pinstripes. But, so I, I think, we, um, think we'd agree that the outfield should be something like Stanton, Hicks, Judge with you know the potential fill-ins being still Gardner or McCutcheon, maybe a guy like like Brantley. So you're you're saying no on on the Harper idea, no big splash to get Harper, who would be that left-handed bat. Um, Harper's the most one of the most overrated players in baseball, and um, yeah, no, I don't want him. It's it's interesting because you know you you want. You want to say he'd be such a good fit because of that left-handed swing at Yankee Stadium, and, and you just think about it, and it sounds really sexy, and then you're right. I mean, he's been an all-star the last four years, but he also really, really faded this year. He had an absolute monster 2015 season, and, and, and other than that, it's it's been much more 
subdued, I, I guess you could say. Um, you know, 814 OPS in 2016, bounced it back up to over 1,000 in 2017. But again, he also had another really bad, prolonged stretch that year. And then 889 this year, which given how strong he started, that's even still feels a little low. So, Well, that's the thing. His OPS in 2015 and 2017 were both over one. Other than that, he hasn't cracked... 889 is as highest in his career. I mean, it's, you know, he's had two monster seasons. And uh, I mean, I just, I don't think it's worth the investment for a player like that. I mean, it's, it's the right fit with a lefty bat, but it's just the wrong, the, the wrong, we have too many players like that, that are streaky that, you know, also crazy to think that he's only 25. Very that's, true. That still blows my mind. I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. I, I, if I heard tomorrow that the Yankees, well, it's be impossible because the World Series is still going on. But if I found out tomorrow that the Yankees sign Harper, I don't, I don't necessarily think I'd be mad or elated just because I think it's so conditional. Because I want to see which version of Bryce Harper w- would come to the Yankees. I, I wouldn't be mad because I know how much of a difference maker he would be if things clicked and and worked out the way. The Yankees would want it to when they offered him the if and when they would offer him the contract, but I also know that it's something that, you know, the aftershocks of Jacoby Ellsbury are still very strong. So it's definitely nerve wracking, but definitely thinking about that lineup, uh, that uh, bat in the lineup is interesting. Yeah, I mean, they I would love them to have more balance, but I don't think it's the right um, fit. Real quick curveball about the outfield: Do you see? Uh, and Duhar ever moving out to left field? No, no, I don't. I, I mean, you, you think of his, <laughs> you think of his, his range factor, and you know, a lot. You know, and Duhar could move, and and he can glove a ground ball. I think a lot of his problems were those slow double clutches before he threw it, where he was clearly in his head. But you know, if he has a hard time covering the hot corner imagine him trying to range to his left and right to catch fly balls in left field. I, I just think that's a potential disaster. And, you know, he's he's got that sidearm release from third base. And I don't know, just that from the outfield would, would scare me a little bit. I, I think if you're going to go that route and try to reposition Andujar, maybe move him to first base, just take him to the opposite corner. I don't really know, but I, I'm not... That that doesn't appeal to me. Putting Andujar in left field. Okay. Interesting. What about right. you? Um, I'd give him another season at third base and see what happens. Like, get give him time to work. He obviously can hit. Um, but I, I'd give him another year at third base in the major league level, and I'd be on him. But um, and and take it from there. Uh, well, that's a nice transition into the infield outlook well well, real quick I think we'll both agree that you know one of the Yankees best prospects is Estevan Floreal he had a big game uh in the uh in the uh, Arizona Fall Arizona League, Fall League. Yeah, yeah yesterday um but I think we both agree that he's still a year away and we won't see him in in pinstripes in 2019 at least I don't think so yeah I I, I agree I don't I don't think you'd see him right, um so that won't factor in yep all right, so then moving over to the infield, like you, you want another season of Andujar at third. I mm-hmm. want to see Manny Machado at third. Let's start with him. Had it had three RBIs that, you know, 
there's been so much criticism of Machado because of some stupid things he's done on the field, which, you know, some of them were hard to defend. He had a couple... Yeah, that play at first base. Yeah, was... that was dirty. That that yeah. was a little Bush League. But also, you just look at how productive he's been, especially at Fenway Park. Another three RBIs in Game 1. He, this guy has tore up Fenway Park, and, and the Yankees need some people that can help beat up on the Red Sox because it looks like those two are going to be fighting it out for years to come. So I've, I am all on board. I want Manny Machado. I like that he hates the Red Sox so much, Another like as bonus. much as I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I Machado's a genera- generational talent. He definitely would add a lot of spice to the rivalry. Um, and again, only 25 years old. Young, and yeah, I, I mean, he's he's had a couple leg injuries, but other than that, I mean, he's just an elite talent. Um, you know, I think he's far superior player to Harper, um, and that's not, you know, that's not even that close. Um, but I, if he, if the Yankees sign him, does he have to play shortstop? Is that one of his, he wants to play shortstop and he'll only play shortstop kind of things? What do you think? I don't, I'm not sure because I feel like, I feel like maybe now that Machado realized just how poorly that of a situation the Orioles put him in in terms of how they position their defenses and basically uh-huh. make all their infielders look terrible. Maybe now that he's been on a different team and, and sees that, you know, he can perform better in the infield as long as he's put in the environment to do so, maybe that lightens him up to the idea of, of switching positions. Um, he has a hell of an arm, which plays just fine at, at third base. I mean, I, I really don't see it being much different as when A-Rod moved over to third. They both had incredible arms and, and you know... You can also sell Machado on the idea of, you know, you're going to be our shortstop. You could be our shortstop for the first, you know, few months maybe if, if with Gregorius out. So maybe that helps. I don't know. But I don't know. If I'm Machado and you have that disdain towards the Red Sox and you want to compete for years to come and you want a big contract and you want to be under the bright lights and, and in the postseason every year after getting a taste of it this year, why not come on over to the Bronx? I know I want him. I um, I think he'll play wherever. Honestly, I um, I think he wanted to play short this year because he wanted to get paid as a dominant shortstop, uh, which is going to attract more money. I think he'll play wherever. Um, I think this lines up for Andujar to be traded, although because I think what happens is that they get. They get Machado. They they put him in at third, and, and Andujar becomes a trade. And they'll, they'll say like Andujar will DH, and we'll put Machado. And I think somehow this means Andujar will be traded at some point, um, which I don't love. But I think that's what's going to happen because you're going to have a very crowded infield if you have Didi come back, Torres, Machado, and Andujar. Well, I think a lot of that rests on what they think of Didi's recovery because that's still very much up in the air. We talked about that with Tommy John last week. As sad as it is to say, we're not sure when Didi will be back. And yep, um, you know, also to that extent as well, everyone was talking about the Yankees' outfield depth at the start of this year, and then it became so terribly thin that they needed a month of Shane Robinson in the starting lineup. So. You know, maybe you hang on to Andujar anyway, and your infield is Andujar, Machado, and Torres, and then whoever your first baseman is, and maybe that's what it looks like through 
July or August if and when Gregorius comes back, and then you figure it out. I'm not really sure. Um, I could definitely see Andujar being traded. If he is going to be traded, I would imagine it happened before spring training because if you're the Yankees and you look at the season he just had, his right. his trade value you know, as someone coming off their rookie season couldn't be much higher right now or than it is right now. So, That's a tough pill to swallow, though. Yeah, it would be devastating to see Andujar go, especially after that monster year. He just if, yeah. If, if they moved him, they would have to be getting a bona fide ace or like. But that's an area of need, and that Joey would make, Bottom, like like <laughs> one of those two. That that would make it much easier to swallow because that's such an area of need. And and I'm sorry, I, I love Andujar. He had an unbelievable rookie year. He was fun to watch. He seemed like a great guy in the clubhouse. But if you're trading Andujar for a top-tier pitcher that the Yankees so clearly need and also trading him because the the Yankees just signed Manny Machado, it's going to be so much easier for me to take that, and I don't yeah. really know how upset I'd even be about it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think one of the things, and I know he has like his own personal stuff, and you know some people have you know have have issue with it, but I mean we have all this Chapman on the team, so we can't say anything. But I think a good fit for the Yankees would be. Um, uh, Daniel Murphy. He's a lefty bat. He could play first or second poorly, but he could still play them. <laughs> or DH. And I mean, if Voigt winds up being a flash in the pan and Bird still stinks, then you have a first baseman. Uh, if they're, they both wind up okay, he could DH or he could play second base and you can move Torres over to short in the event that you want to move Andujar and then, you know, have have Machado play, or if you don't get Machado, I think that would be maybe like a two-year contract I'd try to jump on early if I was the Yankees. It provides a lot of uh, backup value, and he's still a productive player. And another lefty bat for for the lineup. Um, What about Paul Goldschmidt? Diamondbacks are getting ready to uh, say goodbye to pretty much everybody, Um, and they have two areas of interest for the Yankees, Goldschmidt being one of them, because like you said, first base is up in the air right now. As much as I loved what Voigt did, I'm not expecting that again next year. It's, it was either, you know, or at the same time, it could just be another Cashman gold mine like with Hicks and, and Gregorius, and maybe he found another righty bat that hit the hit hard the opposite way well, and, and he becomes a really nice major league hitter. Maybe that could happen. Maybe Bird comes back to what everyone thought he was going to be. I'm not sure, but I also, you know, thinking about Goldschmidt over there at first base, that's that's pretty tempting. Yeah, I think Goldschmidt's on the back nine, though. Um, definitely reduction. In, well, uh, he had that awful start, and then everyone was saying that, and then he just absolutely went on a tear. Yeah, but he's still, he's getting older. I mean, I, I don't know if he's the guy you want to move assets for. There's so many other places that you can apply your, your asset allocation and salary that I don't, I don't know. I don't really see that as a huge need. That's fair, but at the same time, that first base has been a huge need the last two years. If you look, I mean, Chris Carter, <laughs> Craig, <laughs> Craig, Craig Bird's been hurt for so long. They, they finally grabbed Voight uh, for the last couple months of the season, but pretty much since, I mean, since pretty much the back end of Teixeira's career, first base has been a pretty big hole for the Yankees. Yeah, that that's fair, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would rather go in and see a competition between... Bird and Bird and Voigt there, and, and let it shake out and see what happens because you have two guys that have done it before on the major league level that are both young. I mean, they have done it in small samples. 
that are both young. And I'd rather sign a guy like a Murphy that you could get for cheap and then and then save all of your chips. The, you know what? It's really interesting, too, because Granke has a poor reputation as a clubhouse guy. I think they were actually talking about it on uh, Effectively Wild about how him and, and Puig, like he would take shots of Puig behind his back to the media and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I don't think that's the kind of personality that might fit in with the Yankees at this point. But the Arizona player that I think the Yankees have to get, and I, I they have to get Patrick Corbin. There's no way around it because if they don't get him, then this rotation is basically Tanaka, Hopefully Severino's back to normal and pray for rain. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no, I totally agree about about Corbin and, and let's uh, we can get to the starting rotation. But but real quick, it's opening day. The Yankees lineup is announced. Who is in the infield for the Yankees in what is it? Late March of twenty nineteen. At first base. <laughs> um. All right, so I'll go first base. I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to say Greg Bird has a monster spring training. He has a healthy offseason, and he wins the job. I'm not giving up on that lefty swing in Yankee Stadium. Not yet. That's fair. All right. Second base. Now, this is if they're facing a righty pitcher. Uh-huh. All right. Second base. Um, I, I would assume that you'd probably have Torres there. Shortstop. Um, shortstop Machado and third base Andahar. You I know, don't think they wind up with Murphy. You know what's interesting? I would have the exact same thing because I think the Yankees I think the Yankees see something from Bird in, in spring training. He has that full off season and spring training to finally try to piece it all together. He's still young enough. But I mean there are questions now that he's arbitration eligible, but I, I think I think they give Bird the starting spot at first and then whether he produces or not i'm not sure but i do think he'll be out there for opening day and beats boyd out for the job in spring training and the yankees do get machado so now we both agree that the obvious no-brainer is to go get corbin i agree on granky i don't like anyone that takes shots at puig because i love puig um so what other tweaks can be made to the rotation you you know you, you have severino and tanaka and then, and then let's say we both agree that they signed Corbin, so there's three, and you're hoping an off-season of rest and maybe some work on his tells will help Severino get back to the way he was in the first half of the season. And then now, how about CC Sabathia? Do you do you bring him back for a year? I mean, you look at his overall work last year, and it was another productive season. The Yank. All right, so here's the thing: the Yankees are going to have competition, like real competition for CC this year because he's said he'll go somewhere else. And teams that will likely use a starter could be the Milwaukee Brewers, where we know he loved it, and they are a contender. Um, so so he, he could go there. But I, I think since he said he's going to retire after this year, the Yankees can make an exorbitant one-year deal offer to him because it's only for one year. And I think they should do that. Um, River Avenue Blues, like I thought of this the other day, and I, then I saw River Avenue Blues tweet an article to it. It was really good about how CC is the perfect candidate for that kind of bulk guy after the opener because he struggles, uh, you know, as he sees the lineup more. I don't think an old school guy like him would go for it. If he could buy in, though, that'd be so awesome to be able to do the bullpenning thing. And that's something I think the Yankees should really think about because the strength of their team is their bullpen. Um, 
hopefully Robertson will be back. I know he said, you know, he's got to think about what's right for his family and whatnot. But and they might get Britain back. I'm not sure. But you know, then there's there's other free agent relievers out there out there as well. Uh, hopefully not Craig Kimbrell. But I mean, what the God? Can you imagine that? You know, Adam at Odovino is out there. Um, or they could bring Britain back or something like that. But I mean, if you could do the bullpenning thing with with a guy like CC, I mean, that that'd be kind of fun. Um, but I, I'd want to bring CC back and and then maybe Hap or if not Hap, then then another veteran starter, um, and, and just go with those five. And then first sign of injury, then here we go. We could bring up Sheffield or Ford. But I see. This is the thing. I think the kids need a chance, but I don't want to give them the job and they know they have the job coming out of spring training. I think that's too much pressure on them. Yeah, that's no all all good points. I love I love the Sabathia idea. I think that makes your back end of the rotation uh, much less of a liability. You saw just I mean, like every pitcher in baseball, third time through the order is a lot less productive, but the drop off for Sabathia last year was much more significant than league average. He still put up a three six five ERA, so you know he can still he can still pitch and he can, you know, go out there every five days and give you some good innings. But I love the idea of, of keeping his outings to four innings and then letting the bullpen um take take the rest. And I think that would be you know, I, I expect the rotation to be better next year, just purely off the fact that Sonny Gray won't be there. And, um, <laughs> He's going to be relocated. Yeah, re- <laughs> relocated. I mean, seriously though, if the Yankees came back with um, the four they had in the postseason plus Patrick Corbin, that that's nice. I I mean, it's it's not going to blow you away, but there's there's no starter available that's going to unless Kershaw shakes free and. Either way, Kershaw's also on the back end of his career. So I think they have to go out and get Corbin. And then if they keep everything else the same, I really can't. Those are all starters that are going to keep you in every game, except for Tanaka, who either dominates or just gets gets lit up. But still, I mean, that that's a solid major league rotation. Combine that with the offense and the bullpen. And, you know, you're looking at a first place ball club. Yeah, I mean, look at the Red Sox and Dodgers this year. Those are two high-powered offenses. You look at, you know, they both have their respective aces, um, whether it be Sale or Kershaw. Both of them, you know, a little iffy at times in the postseason, but they have a high-powered offense. And even though the Red Sox didn't come in with a bullpen that people had much confidence in, they've been pitching well, and that's why they are where they are. And then the Dodgers bullpen heading into the World Series had a 1-5-1 ERA. So it's it's really about, you know, having a starting rotation that can, you know, just hold, hold the, the fort fort. and get the job done while the offense comes alive, and then the bullpen shuts the door. So, you know, that, you know, that rotation of Seve, Tanaka, Corbin, um, CC and then bring you know bring back a guy like Hap. I, I think you, I think you go into the season with much more confidence in, in the rotation than you know when you were watching guys like Sonny Gray and Domingo Herman go out there for starts. Um, so uh, you you don't like the idea of, of Kershaw, big splash, bringing him uh, to the East Coast. No, I mean I think the Yankees have learned not to sign guys that are past their prime. Kershaw is still very effective. Um, when he has his good stuff, but he's past his prime now. Can I just say it still hurts that the Yankees didn't sign Max Scherzer? They could trade for him. <laughs> I would gladly take Scherzer, but I, I, so we can agree that the rotation would be Severino, Corbin, Tanaka, Hap, CC, 
with uh, CC just on a you know four inning cap and then take send it over to the bullpen. Um, so Absolutely. now, how about that bullpen? How, how do you see that shaking out? You'll you'll have you'll have Chapman. Um, Batances has uh, one more year of arbitration, I believe. Yep. Um, Robertson, we'll see what happens. I would like to bring him back. Britain, same deal. I I don't I know he struggled with his control and his command at times, but kind of like a Greg Bird situation, I think an off season where he's healthy and and can you know go through his workouts and get ready for the whole season where he's not dealing with a nagging Achilles injury I think Britain could also be a huge get for the Yankees if they have him for a full efficient Britain-like season yeah I I wouldn't um I would like to bring both of them back honestly depending on depending on the terms um and if not I mean they could go out and get Otavino or or they can they can, I, you know, Herman might play up as a reliever or something like that. I think. I think Loisaga too could play as a solid reliever. Um, I don't know if his stuff is as good, honestly. Um, but I, you know, that's just my opinion. I didn't think um, Holder's stuff was that great. <laughs> <laughs> Holder turned out okay for sure. I, I um, I think that um. If you can't get these guys that you, you know, if you can't get Britton and Robertson and and if the reliever market is too crazy, then just stick with what they have. And, you know, between Holder, Batances, uh, Green, and Chapman, that right there is solid. And then, you know, you'll get your guys that you turn into relievers because obviously, you know, Loisaga, Herman, Sheffield, um, King, and, and Adams, they're all not going to be starters at the major league level. You're going to turn some of them into relievers. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm banking on Sheffield becoming a reliever. I think he can become a quality reliever. And I, I Really? Just, I, don't, I don't have too much faith in, in um, the Yankees' arms in the farm system right now in terms of turning I out to Sheffield be— I think Sheffield can be a starter. No, I think he can be, but I also think he, his major league career might start off as you know someone who just becomes lights out in the bullpen and then becomes a starter. I was just talking about for next Chaba year. Again. <laughs> well, that was a little different. Hopefully Boone doesn't run him into the ground and then try to turn him into a starter. That that would be a little bit of a disaster. And they don't have all these rules about what he can and can't do and then just throw him out the window. But, you know, a guy like Chance Adams, I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to amount hey, to... He pitched good at Fenway. Okay. <laughs> small sample size. But... A very small sample size. I'm not. I'm not expecting to see a guy like Mike King yet. Not next year. So, I think you bring back those guys like Britton and Robertson, and then a young arm like a Herman or a Sheffield can hopefully turn into some, you know, an, an efficient reliever, and they strike gold, kind of like they did with Chad Green last year and then you still got yourselves one of the best bullpens in baseball yeah i mean it's not not a bad strategy and hopefully the the reliever prices aren't too ridiculous because i mean we've seen seen that before where all of a sudden it's um you know relievers are getting crazy money so it'll depend and it'll depend what the steinbrenners want to spend and we'll see if they put their money where their mouth is this this season because uh for the prices they charge for us to go to that place, they sure have been nickel and dime in the free agent market. Absolutely. And you can 
you know, you can say what you want about the boss. I, I would say plenty that he did that put the Yankees in a negative light, which he did. But there's he also would not have put up with the lack of spending. He was always ready to spend, a lot of times to a fault. But now that you have this age in baseball where the general managers and their analytics staffs have so much input and they're telling you guys that are worth going after, I just hope they're ready to open their checkbooks. It's really going to be a crucial offseason to see how dedicated they are to putting a World Series winning team on the field and less worried about, you know, penny pinching here and there and um let's let's hope they now that they finally hope let's just hope i don't have we don't have, ever have to hear the word luxury tax again that's i think i've heard it just about enough over the past couple of years 189 197 <laughs> i'm done with it so it seems like we agree that the yankees roster should look pretty much the same except a huge addition of machado a really good addition of corbin and then, and then you hope for a bounce-back season from Bird and Gary Sanchez, and all of a sudden you've got a World Series contender. Hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, just, I feel like the roster is going to be so clunky. I mean, it definitely felt like, oh, this player would be nice, but then we'd have to do this and that in order to fit them in, except for the pitching. So I'm interested to see what happens. It's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. And... Um, and we'll see. I mean, that's that's the thing about Stanton. If you don't have Stanton, okay, Andohar, you're the DH, and and Machado, you're going to play third, and and then we're done. And uh, real quick, uh, just as we wrap up, but what do you think the best strategy is with Didi? Because he would be a free agent after the end of next season. Uh, I was kind of wondering, do you think he would take maybe a team friendly contract as kind of like, okay, I know I'm not going to, unless I come back and have a monster second half, I'm not going to get the money I could have gotten. Maybe gets like a two-year show-me deal uh, and, and then hits the free agent market a little bit later after he's totally healed. What would you think about that? I, d- I definitely wouldn't mind that. I think a lot of that is going to depend on how his recovery progresses over the coming months because, like we've heard, it's could you know there's so much parity between position players and their recovery times all the way from Tony Womack to TJ Rivera. So, you know, it will be interesting to see. I... You know, you know me. I, I would consider Didi my favorite Yankee, and I I love watching him play. And I really hope that we get to see him in a Yankee uniform for years to come. I also don't want that sentimental aspect to, you know, block out the fact that he could maybe he doesn't come back as as the same player. Um, I like to think that he would if he if he if he's been playing the last four years with a partially torn, with a partial tear in his elbow and that's the kind of production he put up then a surgically repaired elbow she should be able to do it again i would hope so so i i still want to i still want Didi to be a part of the future for the yankees and yes even if even if machado does come to the yankees i still would love the left side of the infield to be him and Didi. yeah i mean if you have machado Didi torres forget about it forget about it all right is there uh anything else we need to add here I don't know. Is there? Not that I can think of. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard to do this with the. I, I know I just said it, but it's it's really hard to do this with the roster that they have to figure out how it all fits. And it's going to be really fun to break it down as it goes along. And I'm looking forward to it. And I still have to update the intro. But since the TBS announcers are horrible, all I have oh. is John Sterling voice, uh, John Sterling clips to use, and it sounds weird when it's all John Sterling. So I'll I'll get to that. 
And uh, yeah, I guess that's just about it. Yeah. But I mean, the, the if you can take away one thing from today, they have to get Patrick Corbin. If they don't get Corbin, it's a disaster. I I'm still throwing Machado in that. I think they have to get Machado and Corbin. I just you know a guy like Machado does not come around a lot, and he's young, and he's shown you that he can tear up the American League East. Got to get Machado and Corbin. But um, that's that's the top two things on Cashman's to do list. Um, right if, along. If with- they didn't get Machado, but they got Murphy, uh, I wouldn't think it's the end of the world. But I understand. I would, I would disagree. I, <laughs> Machado and Murphy, there, there's a huge contrast there for me. But um, <laughs> well, I, I, I understand. But all right. So if they don't get all right. So if they don't get Machado, and then it turns out that Andrew Hart can't play third base, then it's a disaster. Yeah. And so. I'd rather just play it safe and get Machado. I'd rather have too many assets than than not enough. But and like you said, Andahar could be used in a trade, even though it might hurt a little bit. But it would be for the greater good. Trade him for Scherzer. <laughs> Four years later, they finally get Scherzer. <laughs> All right. Well, you know we've got a whole off season ahead of us, and we will still be here with everybody on a weekly basis and bringing in guests and maybe going a little outside the lines to get some fun Yankee stories to talk about, remember, or look ahead to. And um, Apparently today was 21 years since Backyard Baseball was released. It was. MVP Pablo Sanchez. He was, he's, if now, if he was on – if Pablo Sanchez was a free agent in today's game, so how, much, how much money <laughs> – It doesn't matter. How much money do you think he would command, knowing that Harper is seeking $350 million? Pablo Sanchez? Yeah. He would, he would have to own the team. That would be the only way it would be fair. <laughs> You'd have to give him the whole team. See, I, I think if, if you consider Harper and the fact that he's an outfielder and he has a lot of power, but he's also shown that he can be streaky – and then you think of a guy like Pablo Sanchez, who was the best in the game at pretty much every position on the field, including the pitcher's mound. I think you could double it and say he would command about $700 million. He'd be like Otani, but if Otani, when he pitched, was Verlander, and when he hit, was Machado. <laughs> and when he played... Tra- no, no, he's Trout when he's not pitching. And when he's pitching, he's Verlander. And when he's in the infield, he's Altuve. Interesting. Almost, almost Altuve in height, also. <laughs> almost. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm tired. Me too. What's the score? Uh, it was four two when I turned it off. Red Sox. Yeah, Red Sox walk. Uh, the the Astros. Wa- uh, the Astros. The Dodgers walked in a run, and then uh, gave up a single to make it four to two. Okay, well, always good when you're walking and runs in the World Series. Yeah, I officially hate my life, and I'll see you next week. And um, I mean, I hope by next week maybe there's still some baseball being played, but this feels like a short series and what will be a long, dark abyss of an off season having to deal with those guys as world champs. But regardless It'll of what be happens, because the off season is going to be active, it's not going to be like last off season where we get Stanton and then just sit around. It'll, it'll, there'll be a lot going on. I hope so, and there'll be a lot going on here on the podcast. We'll be back next week. Sean, I'll see you next week, and thanks, everybody, for listening. See ya.